We want to talk about the kingdom of God today and the Holy Spirit. We're in, we've been in this emphasis on the Holy Spirit. I just want to tell you, I feel like we're in an anything is possible atmosphere. Like, don't get, you know, we get distracted, we get burdened, and we carry burdens from the Lord in seasons, but don't get distracted from the, the main work of the, whole, of the Holy Spirit is to set you free and set me free and release the image and likeness of him, of God in us, you know, in full expression. So um, the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. You know, this is what we're told in Romans 14, 17. But it's an amazing thing that, that it was the topic that Jesus announced when he started preaching in, in uh, the Gospels, and it was the topic of his main sermon of his entire career as a rabbi, the Sermon on the Mount, starts out, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? Kingdom, kingdom of heaven. Yeah, and so kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God are the same, you know, they're synonymous terms. And uh, it's what Jesus, after his resurrection, he talked about the kingdom of God. In Acts chapter one, it, it tells us this, Verse two says that, that he, he gave instructions or commandments to his followers through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? The post-resurrected Christ was speaking still through the Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit has a, you know, like a permanent assignment to transform the human race. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and his, you know, it's, he has like this eternal procession from the Father and the Son, and he brings their love and pours it into our heart and changes us. And he is completely God, and he's the author of miracles in our lives, and we're in a miracle season. So some of us, you know, things are really messed up. It's perfect for the Holy Spirit to show up. The, the kingdom of God is not about externals. It's not eating and drinking, Romans 14, 17, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy, which are internal realities in the Holy Spirit. That's where the, whole, the kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. So fortunately, not only are you also in the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is in you. And sometimes we're ignorant of this fact that our bodies are his temple. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, don't you know that your bodies, not your brains, not your, your personality, and your physical body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Is that wild? I mean, there's a lot of glory in there, and we want to let it out. All right. So the, the Holy, but the great thing is when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes and he releases creative capacity. He's involved in creation. I, if we look at Genesis 1, Genesis 1, 1 starts in the beginning. It tells us where we came from. God created the heavens and the earth out of nothing. You know, in verse 2, then it says, wait, but it wasn't in very good shape. So we don't know if God created it perfectly and then it got messed up because there was a war in heaven. There are hints of this in various uh, prophetic writings you know, prophecies of the Old Testament, or if he just made it in a big lump and it was chaotic until it was put in order. I, I don't know which it is, but many of you have strong opinions, so, you know, whatever you believe, believe it with all your heart. All right, so <laughs> there, 
But it says in verse two, after God created everything, the earth, not the heavens, but just the earth was without form and void. Interesting. And, and darkness was over the face of the deep. So there's this very bleak picture. Without form and void are these two rhyming Hebrew words, tohu and bohu, and they mean it was utter, it was completely random, and it was devoid of any obvious potential or usefulness. It was wasted, it was wrecked, it was ruined, which is why some people think, well, something happened to get it into that condition. And not only that, Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the word for darkness there, it's an absolute darkness that's the total absence of light or energy and, or any, I mean, there's no potential that can be perceived in it and it's over the face of the deep and the word used there for deep is, it means like a bottomless chasm, like it's deep, it's bottomless, it's hopeless. This is where the Holy Spirit shows up. So we may, you know, we may feel like that sounds like my life, and I'm just telling you, chaos is an opportunity for the Holy Spirit. And you know, so then the Holy Spirit moves in. We're still in verse two, and the Spirit, the Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God came in, the wind of God, the breath of God. The, it, you know, there's motion in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is living. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And this, this term could be used like a bird hovering over its nest. Why do they do that? Is it for ventilation? Is it for, you know, but it's like, it's the love, you know, the Holy Spirit is attracted to chaos and darkness and he transforms it because he's hovering over, now it's not, Darkness over the deep was over the face of the deep. It's he, the Holy Spirit's hovering over the waters. I love it. You know, the face of the waters. You know, so now that which had seemed like endless darkness is now fluid. And how many knows where there's water, there's life. You know, that life. It's like so. The Holy Spirit is is setting up this mass to be set in order, and then God speaks and says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, and it was good, and so this whole creative process of setting this wrecked, messed up, random, <laughs> whatever it was, universe, planet, into beautiful order begins, and it com it's completed in verses 27, or almost completed in verses 27, 28, where God says, let us make the human being, man, in our own image and likeness. Like, you're not like, that's why Mike was making the reference, if lions had sinned, if giraffes had sinned, if, you know, <laughs> I don't know, sea slugs had sinned, it wouldn't make any difference, but when the human sinned, it made a big difference because we are carriers of the image and likeness of God. We're, we're, like, we're his representatives in the planet, whether we know him or not. And it gets, it's been marred and twisted by sin. Sometimes you can barely recognize it. And, uh, but you know, it ends up with God saying, let us make the human in our own image and likeness and let them have dominion over everything else and bring it into its fullness. Like, be like us, like take that which is wrecked and, and turn it into beauty. And so then he says, and he created them, so he created, so created he them, 
male and female, he created them. And isn't that great? Isn't that just part of reality? You know, like, like, okay, that's how God made it. So God's creative word brings potential where it seems like there's nothing but hopelessness. So, I mean, this is a little bit of our own personal testimony. 1987, we had a, you know, we thought we had a great life in California. Uh, you know, we, we met the Lord in 1972, but, you know, a few years later, ended up in, in a ministry up in this little town in the Sierra Nevadas, and out in the middle of nowhere, this amazing, beautiful, uh, missional, worshiping, presence-filled community of a thousand people developed, and it was awesome. <laughs> until it wasn't, you know, and so, so <laughs> then, uh, you know, I prayed this a very expensive prayer in our mission school that, that God would burn up everything in my life that wasn't Jesus, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, can't control. That song hadn't been written yet, but that's what it was, and, and I said, and do it quick. Give me the blowtorch. Get it over with, so that was the stupid part, but the, anyway, so he did it. He answered our prayers, and he used the devil to do it, you know, because, I mean, do you know, I mean, this is the great thing. Like, even when you're attacked, the devil is attacking you, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he can't if you find your refuge in him. And all those attacks are meant for you to overcome. And every battle you survive, you don't just survive, but you gain authority in it. And so, so there we were, you know, everything fell apart. Our health fell apart, our marriage fell apart, our ministry that, that had been characterized by harmony and this amazing, you know, people come like, how did you guys do that? We didn't know, we just worshiped and prayed, you know. And so uh, it all got bad. And so in the middle of it, we're crying out, help God, heal us. And he sent prophets, didn't just send witches and warlocks, but he sent prophets. <laughs> he didn't send the witches and warlocks, but it, we kind of brought them on ourselves. But the, uh, <laughs> we had some immature attitudes. So the, uh, so, but he sent prophets, and one, you know, run for your life was one prophetic word we got from our friend Lonnie Frisbee, you know, who you've now is famous because of the Jesus Revolution movie, but the, uh, the and uh, uh, another prophet this is like Joseph and his brethren. You need to flee, you know? And so this wasn't part of our thinking at all. And then more, we had more respectable prophets describe it in more rational terms. But we were getting this message. So I started praying, God, we don't know where to go. Send us someplace where we can get healed because we are a wreck. And so um, this letter came and a group from Pennsylvania and sent it to Iverna Tompkins and she knew about us and was praying for us and kind of, making sure we didn't die, and uh, they sent it to us, and so I, one day I finally thought, I better pray about this, you know, so that I can say, yeah, I prayed about it, because we didn't have any desire to go east of the Rockies, you know, that was not our, our home turf, and so, so I prayed one day, I just remembered it in all my suffering after months of crying and praying in tongues and a forest fire burning all around us and, and all this stuff. And I said, oh yeah, God, send that little group in Pennsylvania and a nice pastor. And that was going to be like, check. Yes, I prayed about it and God didn't say anything. Because <laughs> he hadn't said anything for months, you know, other than I love you, you're going to be okay. And I'm going, ah, God, where can we go? <laughs> Hawaii sounds nice. You know, so the, uh, but um, I prayed this prayer and he said, I am, it's you. Really like, like, whoa, why did I say that? You know, like sometimes we pray things and we don't want to hear the answer, you know, so, 
So I, thought, I told Ann, and, and I said, Ann, you know, you need to pray about it. And she went out and said, God, I am in so much pain, I wouldn't trust myself to hear. If you want us to move to Pennsylvania, let our house sell first day, first person, full price, cash. And so she came back and told me, and I thought, this is awesome, it will never happen. We're gonna list our house for 24 hours, and then I'm gonna quit the ministry, and I'm gonna build houses, and you know, just be a, a normal person, and give lots of money to missionaries and poor suffering pastors like me, and, uh, and it'll be great. And, uh, but it happened, you know? We, <laughs> the first guy on the first, who pays full price? First guy. You know, first day, full price, cash. And it happened 10, so 10 days later, we're in a U-Haul truck and we crossed America for eight days and arrived here and kept thinking like, okay, God, we have no idea what this is, but our prayer was take us someplace where we'd be healed and it was so horrible. It, we called it the first church of the Ichabod. I found out I was like the fourth or fifth pastor. This little group of 12 people had had, and they weren't all terrible, but just it was like a terrible dynamic, and we had planted churches, and we thought, this thing's never going to fly, and why did God bring us here? What was our crime? I'd weep. On, I'd lay on the football field and weep and say, God, what did I do? You know, like, you know, because we were very careful. We didn't pollute anything in California. We didn't split the church. We just, you know, left <laughs> because the prophets said we should, and so the, uh, and the amazing thing is, that we closed this little church down, which was a relief, and, and we were attending this church in a warehouse in the hood on 13th Street, an old, you know, the, the casket warehouse. And, uh, and we were going there because our kids were used to a youth group, and they had a great youth group, and, and we liked, we'd sit in the back, and Ann would cry during worship, and, you know, and, and, you know we'd sort of hide. And then we closed down the church and the pastor noticed me on a Sunday morning and said, would you like to preach? So I preached anyway. He ends up hiring me and, uh, and, and I'm thinking like, oh, I guess that's why we're here. And then he, you know, he left uh, suddenly in a bad way and, uh, and it, like the whole church went. <laughs> and I thought, oh God, <laughs> no, oh God. What do we... So I, I went to work at the church on 13th Street and and, you know, I'm walking around in the sanctuary praying, saying, God, I'll just stay here and help them until they get a new pastor, probably from Tulsa. And because uh, they were in that stream, you know, and, and I thought that's what would happen. And God spoke to me and said, I have set you here. And I thought, like, whoa, I don't want to be set here. You know, like, this isn't my idea. And then everybody, you know, attacked me and accused me that somehow I manipulated it because I wanted this ministry. I had the spirit of Jezebel and Oh, Leviathan or what some, whatever. there were lots of books being written in the late 80s about these things. And, and, and I just, and God, I'm so glad God brought us here. And it looked like tohu and bohu. It looked empty, void with no potential. And Anne and I, I mean, literally, you know, 33 years later, we come Sunday after Sunday and we just see what God has done. Not, not only the people in this room, but the people that have been developed and trained and sent out and are just, and you guys are so active and involved and you're, you know, you're just engaged and, you're, and lives have been transformed and healings come and ministries have moved to this city because, you know, just all the stuff that God did. And he would have never done it without the crisis and the chaos. And 
I'm just telling you, your life isn't hopeless. All things are possible. There's an anointing on your life that, you know, and that, and this makes me think like, okay, I don't know, how, you know, people, I have this financial planner and he says, so are you retiring this year? And I'm going like, <laughs> you're going to be really upset with me, but no, I'm not, you know, <laughs> why aren't you retiring? I said, well, I don't know. I say, I have this assignment, you know, <laughs> so he set me here. So I'm here until I get unset or upset. Or you get upset, something like that. But anyway, just saying, you know, and we realize, okay, you know, I'm now too old to even save the number publicly. I'm teasing. <laughs> but, but anyway, it, it's just, it's hilarious. So wherever the Holy Spirit comes, where it looks like there's no potential is full of hope and creativity. When the Holy Spirit comes, he brings deliverance. The whole story of Israel getting delivered out of hundred, you know, at least a hundred years, maybe more of slavery in Egypt. When they went there, it was the best. They were comfortable. It was great, but it didn't last. And, uh, and they, and the comfort turned into captivity and God sent a deliverer, Moses. And when he went, it got worse. Chaos and crisis. It's the process and, it, and the Holy Spirit came to deliver them. It's a great story. At the actual point of deliverance, they, you know, they've been you know, told, okay, leave, leave, get out of here, you know, after the firstborn were killed. And so they're leaving, and they're, they're on their way, and God says, turn back. It's like, wait, it's the wrong direction. You know, now instead of heading toward the promised land, they're heading toward the sea. Okay, you know, I better follow God, and, and so they get to the sea, and there the Egyptian army comes <laughs> to, to get them back. And so there they are, and it's night. Fortunately, God comes, the Holy Spirit comes with a fire by night for Israel and a cloud of darkness for the Egyptians. So he's got them just where he wants them. Anybody feel like you're in that place? Like, like <laughs> I'm gonna die, you know? And, uh, and then he says to Moses, um, lift up your Staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Like, oh, okay, yeah, I know how to do that. And <laughs> that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. Dry ground? How about a little mud, you know? And, and then, so verse 21, Exodus 14, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind, ruach, all night. And it may, and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. I want to tell you, this was not a natural wind. This was supernatural wind. This, I mean, I would argue that this was the Holy Spirit. You know, this was spirit just moving, moving, moving. Because you can't take a seabed and turn it into dry ground. That's a really powerful blow dryer. You know, it's just like, yeah, I mean, there was seaweed, there were, starfish, there were all kinds of slimy things down there, and it turned into dry ground, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, verse 22, and the waters being a wall to them on their right and their left hand, and because what happens is when God, when God the Holy Spirit, when Holy Spirit shows up, there's a, he makes a way where there was no way, and uh, Paul wrote 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. 
So he's manifesting freedom. And so you may feel like you're stuck and you're gonna be destroyed and you can't get free from this captivity. I'm saying God will make a way where there's no way. And uh, here's a little personal testimony from a long time ago. You know, when we were f- first met Jesus, it was the summer of 1972, and we would, you know, we just, after we met Jesus, first I, you know, I was a, I was a uh, LSD missionary for a while, and then I was a, a Eastern religion guru, and I would, I would actively persecute Christians, and then I met Jesus. Everything changed, and we went to meetings every night, and what changed it was we, f- we experienced his love in his presence. We didn't have language for it, but it, what, we thought, well, whatever's in this room, we need it. And so we, you know, we gave our hearts to Jesus. We're, we're in meetings all the time. And so one summer evening, we were gathered in a living room with about 70 other young people to worship and to share insights and testimonies. And um, just as we were starting, these three friends of ours came bursting through the door and their faces were shining with holy awe as they told what just happened. So Rocky, Keith, and Heidi had driven an old pickup truck down into a steep river canyon over miles of dirt road until they came to a place on the river where there was a pool, a beach, and beautiful sunlight. And so they parked the truck, climbed down a small cliff with their guitars to the beach below, and they spent the afternoon worshiping and writing songs. And they were all gifted at that. And so um, later, a, a group of about 30 hippies arrived on a dirt road on the other side of the river, and this group found, also found a beach, and so they parked there, and they began taking off their clothes and went skinny dipping, which was pretty common in those days, in, in the clear waters of the Stanislaus River. And so Rocky and Keith felt like they should leave, and so they're climbing up the cliff, and Heidi stopped them and said, you guys are making a mistake. This is an opportunity to worship and share the gospel. And so they, they went back down to the beach and they began to worship and sing. And, and you know, a group of the hippies were attracted to, to it. They, they swam across the river to, to listen to the music and they preached the gospel. And, and a number of them gave their lives to Jesus. And uh, <laughs> it was amazing. And so the afternoon passed quickly, you know, like when people are getting saved and it, it's, it's pretty wild. And so um, when it was time to leave, two of the new converts asked if they could get a ride back into town because they were way out in the woods. They went on stay for the evening of partying and all the other stuff that was going to happen. And so a, a young man and a teenage mom with her nursing baby, uh, cl- you know, got cl- dressed and then <laughs> climbed up the cliff with, with their friends and they were going to ride in the back of the pickup truck. But much to their disappointment, the right front tire was completely flat and they had no spare. So Heidi thought, oh man, later Heidi married Rocky. But anyway, so Heidi's sitting in the cabin just figuring this is gonna be a really long day. So Rocky and Keith are out looking at this tire and trying to figure out what should we do. And so the only thing they can do is jack it up, take the tire off and roll this. Somebody's gonna have to roll this wheel for a few miles uphill on a dirt road and then catch a ride on the highway to a a service station. And so she's just saying, wow, this is gonna take forever. And, uh, but as Rocky and, and, and Keith were thinking about this, <laughs> the young guy who had just gotten saved said, hey, why don't you guys pray and ask God to fix the tire? <laughs> so, you know, it's like, okay, I guess we should, you know, so they, you know, they ever do things like, okay, we'll do this, you know, just, okay, we did that, now let's, we're back to our problem. So when they, they laid their hands on the tire and prayed for it, <laughs> the wind came. <laughs> you know, and so, uh, and so 
Um, Heidi, meanwhile, she's you know leaning on the dashboard in there, thinking, Ugh, and she feels the 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 right side of the pickup lifting up, and she figures they're just jacking the the truck up to take the tire off, and you know. Rocky gets in the driver's seat, starts it up, and she says, what are you guys doing? They said, God just healed the tire. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so they drove, they drove back, you know, up out of the woods and down the highway, came to the meeting, came, parked across the road, came into the room and said, you guys. <laughs> and so we all ran out and touched the tire. You know, it's like, whoa. It was bald. You know, it was just, a, you know, we were like, Whammers, youth without any money, you know, the, the, uh, the, it's just, so I'm telling you, it marked our lives. That kind of stuff, it marks your life. And I want to tell you, the spirit, some of you may feel like there's no way, I mean, what a, you know, that was a small thing. They, all these people, they're in their early 20s, like they could actually walk out and they weren't going to die. Uh, but it was like God just does this kind of stuff. And he doesn't, I mean, the amazing, frustrating and awesome thing about it is we never know when he's going to do it and when he's not going to do it. It's like the kingdom is here, but it's still coming. You know, so when he doesn't do it, we go, God, thank you that, you know, you're going to answer this prayer maybe in five generations. You know, it's the, but, but when every time God answers a prayer in front of us, we need to celebrate it, testify to it, because it's like it's, we're releasing the good news of the kingdom when that happens. And when it doesn't happen, don't think like, well, I guess God doesn't have any power. You just know like, God, your kingdom's still coming. I'm gonna pray more. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done, you know? And so, I mean, so God does this. He creates, he makes ways where there's no way. And finally, he restores lost hope. You know, and so the last little example here, in Ezekiel chapter 37, I recommend you read the whole chapter. And, uh, but I'm just gonna tell you the story. God takes Ezekiel and carries him to a valley full of bones. They're dry bones. Like, the valley's full of bones. Does that sound creepy to you? Like, wait, is this a horror movie or is this... God, you know, and so, and then it says the valley's full of bones. How full was it? Was it like there were just bones scattered everywhere or were they stacked two feet deep and you had to sort of find little pathways like you're in a pack rat's house and, uh, you know, like, I hope they don't follow me. And then not only that, they were not just, they weren't fresh bones, they were dry. In fact, it says they were beyond dry. They were Mayod drive, dry in the Hebrew. Like you touch them and they go. And then God asks a very important question. Verse three, Ezekiel 37, verse three. This might be one of the most important questions in the entire Bible. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel has no idea. You ever feel that way? Like, why are you asking me, God? You're God. You know, like God doesn't need the information. So he's, he's, he asks us questions so we'll examine and we'll be aware of where we're at. And so Ezekiel gives the perfect Sunday school answer. He says, he says, Oh Lord God, you know. <laughs> you know everything. <laughs> and then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones. Say to them, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now, I never notice any ears 
on bones, you know, just saying. that This is like, do you ever feel ridiculous? I'm telling you, you might be in the middle of a miracle if you're feeling ridiculous. By the way, if the, if the worship team, oh, you're, okay, you're arriving here. Okay, this gives you hope, you know. And the, the word, I mean, and thus says the Lord, this is, he goes on prophesying, says, thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath, wind, ruach to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews on you and cause flesh uh, to come upon you and cover you with skin. I'm gonna, make, I'm gonna give you muscles. I'm gonna give you skin, identity. And then I'm gonna put breath into you, ruach, wind, and you shall live. The Holy Spirit's the Lord and giver of life. And you shall know, that's like a relationship, that I am Yahweh. You know, it's like, and so Ezekiel's getting a lesson here. So I prophesied, verse seven, it's good to obey if you're, if God tells you to do something. As I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, behold, rattling, and the bones coming together. That must have been creepy, huh? Just like, maybe it was musical, I don't know. The uh, Bone to bone, you know, they were coming together and in the proper joints, and I looked, and behold, there were sinews upon them, and flesh had come upon them, and the skin covered them. Could you imagine this? Like, we should make a movie, you know, just like, first all these bones flying around, rattling, making noises, and they all get in the right place. Like, what we see, death and confusion and no hope, God, like, the wind of God brings things to life that seem absolutely, you can't fix America, you can't fix anything, you can't fix your marriage, you can't fix your business, you can't fix, <laughs> you know, pick, fill in the blank. And it's like, when the wind comes, things are flying together in the right sequence. And then once they're in the right order, all this amazing life structure, like it's like watching a dissection backwards, you know, like, like whoa. And you know, how did, did it go from the feet up or from the, I have no idea. But like now there's like all these bodies standing there and they look like they're alive, but they're not live yet. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, the wind, prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath. Each time you read breath there, it's ruach, it's wind, it's Holy Spirit, and breathe on these slain that they may live. That's what the Holy Spirit did with me, and that's what he did with you when he found us in our own blood, dying in our sin, and he said, live. Okay, and so... <laughs> I prophesied, verse 10, as he commanded me, and the breath, the ruach, the spirit came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceeding great army. Does it seem like, are we really supposed to pray for the, Lord, the spirit to come into dead situations? Every time we pray the Lord's prayer, we pray, your kingdom come. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is not just about physical provision. It's not eat and drink. It's not opinions. It's not traditions. It's deep internal realities of righteousness, the righteousness of God. It's about us that is given to us as a gift that we steward, but it's not our own righteousness. He gives us 
peace, the peace of God that's beyond, beyond, beyond all human comprehension or perception. It's shalom, it's superabundance, it's absolute peace. And joy, which is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm telling you, when we prophesy, we're prophesying, Holy Spirit, come and bring all these things. I want you to stand to your feet, okay? And I just, I wanna say this to, to all of you, that God can bring life where there's no life, and I, I, I'm not gonna go there today, but some of you know Jeff and Emily Mitchell, and just ask them about, there was a baby in the womb, then there was no baby, and then four days later, there was a baby twice as big as the baby that disappeared, and, I'm, and it was confirmed by three doctors as a miracle. I'm telling you, God can make life where there's nothing there wasn't even a dead bone to work with. There was nothing, and God created this, this embryo that is now named Matthew, <laughs> and he's alive and he's healthy. I'm just saying, God is good, and nothing is impossible. And you may be facing, like you think, it's too overwhelming, how am I gonna get through this? I'm telling you, if you give your life to Jesus, you step into the zone where miracles are possible. The love of God transforms you. And so I, I wanna say this because some of you are here, maybe you think you're a Christian, but you're not because you're not living in a supernatural life. Or you, you knew you were a Christian, but you fell away and you feel so ashamed. And but here you dragged yourself to church so you could come and say, God, I'm yours. I wanna return as a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. I wanna be covered again in the robe of righteousness, given the ring of your royal authority, had have beautiful shoes put on my feet and be brought into your household once again. I'm just saying, anything outside of the Holy Spirit is death. Anything outside of the Holy Spirit is useless. And everything in the Holy Spirit has significance and meaning. Even your sufferings, the things that seem like senseless sorrows, God is using them. The greatest catastrophe, like when we were 37, we thought our life was over. Like we're driving to Pennsylvania and I literally, as, we, as our truck, we're pulling out of our hometown in California, I'm thinking, God, am I just destroying my whole family here? Am I crazy? Am I committing some kind of like group suicide? And little did I know what God was going to do. I had to come be planted, die in the ground. <laughs> and, 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 off, and you have the same pattern. You know, it's like, okay, God, it's really bad. Hooray, you're probably up to something. <laughs> Are you ready? So here's what I wanna do. At the end, we're gonna have an, uh, an invitation. If you want prayer, if you wanna give your life to Jesus, if you need healing, there are miracle healing testimonies here every week. I invite you to come forward. If you just wanna come and kneel down and say, God, fill me until I am never satisfied with anything else. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I'm just saying, but so what we're gonna do, we're gonna actually end the service by singing a, you know, a proclamation prayer that we sang earlier today. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> the powers of hell begin to shake. Only you the Lord, only you the key. And when he moves, and when he moves, and when we pray, we're so to walk.
thank you. We thank you that because you have sent your Holy Spirit where stood a wall now stands a way. We thank you that every promise you've made, no matter how many promises you've made, in you they're all yes. And so we say amen to every one of your promises. We believe, we trust in you. We pray, maybe the ministry team, you want to come up and just begin to see what's going on here. We pray that this week would be a week that we live in the Holy Spirit, that we would be aware of what we're stewarding, that we would understand our bodies are His temple, and that He's revealing Jesus. He's revealing the love of the Father in us and through us and to us. God, Holy Spirit, we pray you would come and fill us, that you would release the spiritual gifts in our lives, that the fruit of the Spirit would be what comes out of us when we're squeezed. We pray that you would release and reveal the kingdom and that you would anoint us to bring good news to every person we meet, that every person we meet would encounter your presence in our bodies. I'm telling you, he's way more powerful in you and on you than you imagine or that you can feel. What he's looking for is that you believe it. When you walk into a room, he walks into the room. And we sing that song, when he walks into the room, everything changes. What if we just said, God, when I walk into the room, I believe it and I wanna let you shine from my life in such a way that the atmosphere in this situation, this conversation, this meeting changes. That it would be in your businesses, it would be in your, your, your workplaces, it would be in everything you set your hands to, every conversation you have in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? And amen, I agree with you. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to bless you. May the Lord bless you. The love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be upon you all week long, every place you go. Amen, amen.